You need to catch your breath a moment? Wow, how wonderful. Um, when we celebrate life in Christ. Uh, so Thursday night, uh, there was the, the National Collegiate Day of Prayer was going on. Did you know this was happening? It's 200 years old, right? This, there was the 200th anniversary of the National Collegiate Day of Prayer when there, there's this prayer effort, prayer effort among young people and on college campuses and, and that like started in the New England area and of course now has spread throughout the nation. About 18 months ago, they decided as they're planning this big 200 anniversary, they said, well, let's do it. You know, we want to do it in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University. Not knowing the Lord was going to break out a 16-day revival that has now spread to other college campuses uh, across the nation. And so the Lord's timing is, is pretty amazing. But at the end of that, uh, that ceremony or the uh, service that they were having, she watched the whole thing. I caught the end with her, and then I caught up yesterday uh, while I was in the office here watching it. Now, it was two hours and 36 minutes worship service, right? And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're like, oh, that's a long worship service, you know? I'm going to let you feel it because that's how long I'm going up here. Yeah. <laughs> now, but like every Marvel movie you go to is past two hours and 36 movies. So don't tell me you can't sit and watch. And I guarantee the impact something like that has on the life of those people that were there is far greater than any Marvel movie. So I'm watching this, and um, they transition, and here's what they're saying. We've had a 16 days of the Lord outpouring, the Holy Spirit outpouring. We have 16 days of people getting serious about their relationship, confessing sin, praying for one another, transformed lives. We have 16 days of this, and now intentionally we are turning this, and we are now calling this a commissioning to go out from here. No more worship services here. We're going to go out from here and take it wherever you live, wherever you're at, wherever you go. Now take it. There was this commissioning prayer that closed off the National Collegiate Day of Prayer. And it was super impactful. And you know what I thought as I'm watching this? Two things. Here's the first. I'm like, oh, man. That's my passion and dream for Wendover Hills. Is that we'd be just so fired up and feel so commissioned that we were going to go out and share Jesus with other people who need to know Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the vision that's still on my, on my heart and my, my head um, as clear to me as what the Lord laid on Chris's heart that he shared earlier. Here's the second thing. We're not there. That's not where we're at. Now, that doesn't mean, don't hear me wrong, that doesn't mean don't invite your friends, don't go tell them about Jesus, use every opportunity, leverage every opportunity to share Jesus. That's not what I'm saying at all. But this is what hit me. I think we have a wonderful church full of a wonderful group of believers who desperately need to be empowered by God and the Holy Spirit in their life. That he has something deeper and richer and more powerful in our lives. If we would be willing, much like we watched with a bunch of college students for the last couple of weeks, if we would be willing to just pour ourselves out to him and say, I'm surrendered before you. Here I am. Here I am. So I told you I saw the movie and I'm crying at the end. And I thought, I'm going to sit long enough that nobody will see me walk away. Because <laughs> um, I'm sitting there going, like, this is for me. I need this. This is for me. And I'm walking, and uh, I got one row away, and there's like five people in the next row in front of me. And you could tell they're thinking the exact same thing. You know, my age people sitting there thinking, this is for me. 
So here's the invitation this morning is what we walk through and what we're going to talk through this morning. When we use the word saved, salvation, right, life, eternal life, I don't want you to just simply dismiss this as, oh, yeah, I did that. I said a prayer in camp one time. I, I, I did. I became a Christian. I want you today to think about this in the context of life in Christ is available for you right here, right now. I don't care how long you've been in church and how many prayers you said at camp meetings. Today, life in Christ is available to you because I think there's many Christians across our nation that are not experiencing the richness of life in Christ that we seem to read about here. So let me share with you a passage that came to mind. Um, I promise you, John chapter 13 that we're, we're going through, I, I promise you there's an outline written, right? It's even printed. I cut them to hand out to you, but it's going to just have to be another week, okay? Is that okay today? Um, we're just going to have to look at another passage, and we'll get to John, right? Uh, you know I love the book of John. We're going to do whole, the whole season two. We're going to do it, all 15 weeks. Um, but I need to share with you something else this morning. Jo uh, Acts chapter 8. If you look in there, again, it won't be on the screen this morning because we're, you know, we're shifting gears. Um, but you've got phones, you've got tablets, you've got your Bible. Just find it, Acts chapter 8, right? Um, Acts chapter 8. In verse 26. Maybe a familiar story, but if, if it's not, I, I, hope, I hope you just see it as a pretty neat story. It's about Philip. He's one of the 12 disciples, apostles. And here's what it says, chapter 8, verse 26. So, oh, okay, let's pause on that. This is, this is Juliana, and Juliana's been, been talking about wanting to be baptized for a few weeks, and as we do in, in, in our system, we want to make sure the parents and their child really understand together what baptism is about and what, and so the parents have spent some time processing with Juliana what baptism is and what it signifies, and it took that two-week process to come to today where she wants to be baptized and the parents are like man she understands what this is about so you ready ready all right the other thing we we do uh, here at our church is is though i lead the baptism we let the parents actually do the baptism as well um the greatest discipleship will be in the home and so hey how are you i think it's a surprise this morning but probably not to you, huh? So you were ready. Dylan, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And is it today in front of all your church family and friends that you want to make this public? Yeah? All right. And you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Amen. All right, so hold your nose and then hold your wrist and let your dad do all the work. Juliana, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Lord so leads, you know, at some point, you know, come on up. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Where were we in this? Thank you, guys. I didn't even see you guys come up. All of a sudden, I heard music. I thought maybe, I mean, I stand out here. I'm like, maybe they stay back there the whole time. I don't know. I never look back. So... Where were we? Oh, we were Acts chapter 8, right? Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Listen to this story uh, about Philip. It says this, An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip. So a messenger spoke to Philip, gave him a message. At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This, that's the desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an uh, Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach his carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the book Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? And the man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage. Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him, and they went down the road. They came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water. What would keep me from being baptized? The word of God for the people of God. Now, this is a story, even if you don't know it, and there's so much you can break down, and that's not our focus in this story, but it's this, that this person who had gone to a festival in Jerusalem and to worship, whether on his own or he was told to go and check out what this was all about, he's on his way home and he's reading the Bible. He's reading from Isaiah. And when Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I unless somebody explains it? And so immediately, Philip's calling was to get up in the chariot and explain, starting with this passage. But what does he explain? I mean, there's a lot he could have talked about Isaiah and put it in context in that time. He explained the good news about Jesus Christ. I told you when I set up the movie, when I watched the prayer thing, I said, man, this is for me. Christians need to hear this again. Christians need to re-fall in love with this. Christians need to understand and receive the impact the Holy Spirit will bring to your life if you surrender yourself to him. And so... At the risk of insulting your spiritual and Bible intelligence, I don't want to do that. Um, at the risk of making it sound like you've never made a profession of faith to be a follower of Christ, because I don't want to say that either, would you allow me to share you the good news? Would you allow me, like Philip, to just share with you briefly the good news of Jesus Christ? The good news of Jesus Christ starts this way. God loves you. And he created to you to be in relationship with him. That's his deep desire to be in relationship, to, for him to know you personally. He loves you in that way. The things we love, the people we love, we want to know 
personally. And so God loves you and wants you to have this type of relationship and connection. That is the start of the good news. Because if that didn't exist, who cares about the rest? And probably the rest wouldn't have come forth. But because God loves you, because he wants to have a personal relationship with you, the good news begins. That's a powerful thing. We all want to be loved. We all want to, to know what that's like, and God is offering it to us. Here's John 7. This is one of my favorite passages. John 17, verse 3. Now this, get this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It doesn't say you get eternal life if. He says this is eternal life. To have, to know God and to know Christ means life is given. When you know Jesus, when you know God, life comes from that. It's not just that like, hey, I, I became a Christian and I know Jesus. One day when I die, I'll go to heaven and I'll get eternal life. No, it seems like what John is saying here is this is it. This is what it is. The moment you become a Christian, there is life offered to you. We know in other passages, John says, and it'll continue past death. Death will not even end it. It will continue on. I think sometimes believers, Christians here this morning, we've forgotten that. You don't have to hang on to the end and just hope there's still eternal life there. You get it and you get to live it out in Christ now. You get to live it. It's here and available for you. What prevents you from knowing Jesus personally? Is there something that prevents you from knowing Jesus? And it could be a long list. could be look different from person to person. But that's God's desire. It starts the good news. Here's the second part, and it's kind of the problem part of the good news, is we're sinful, and we're separated from really knowing God the way he desires. That's what happens uh, it's, there's sin. There's times where there is behavioral sin, where we willfully say, I'm going to act this way, I'm going to do this, right? But there's also times where we, like, we don't necessarily put it in sin category, behavioral sin, but we know there's other things that separate us from God. And that is what sin is. Whether our behavioral rebellion or whether it's we're putting ourselves in a position to be separated from God, sin brings separation, and just like any relationship you have, if there's separation in the relationship, it is not the kind of relationship you'd hope it might be. It's why marriage counselors work so hard to help couples, because often they can say, your issue is separation. What's causing the separation? And that's part of the good news, that we have to understand there's separation there. Now, it may be you've identified sin in your life. It may be that you identified it at some point when you came to Christ and you said, Lord, forgive me. Um, it may be that you say, like, hey, I was an addict, or I was this, or I was doing this, or I was doing that, I was saying this, or I was treating people this way, and the Lord has transformed me. That's wonderful. I think sometimes as Christians today, we lift our feet to the flow of culture and we just let it drift us that direction. And we're involved in so many things that we may not put in this behavioral sin category, but if we looked at it, we'd say, I think that's causing separation. 
You see, thir- uh, Wednesday, we had Ash Wednesday. And we opened up the church. First time we've ever done this in 12 years where we've opened up for people to come and to have prayer and to ashes placed on their forehead. And, uh, and I was amazed. I mean, we had so many people come that day, and I was really encouraged uh, by that. And I think it was impactful. But what we were reminding people throughout the day is may you create space in this season for God to commune with you in a way that may not be happening. Oh, you want to give up coffee for Lent? Okay, that's fine. Give up coffee. But you want to give up coffee because you're like, I need to create space for God. And, or I need to give up TV because I, I want to create space for God that I've not allowed God to have. Then we're starting to get to the heart of this separation. There's all kinds of things. You come home from work and you're like, you know, you're, you yeah, have your quick dinner and then you get in your TV mode, Right? And you get your five hours of TV in, and I don't know, maybe that's too late. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe that's not enough. Maybe it's more. I don't know. Whatever it is for you. Um, and, and we wouldn't say watching TV, that's a sin, you know. But we've created separation. We've, we've taken away opportunity that God might have in our life. Or when God says, hey, why don't you sign up and go up to Lot and serve this Saturday morning? Well, Lot's, okay. All right. I knew you could whistle during songs, but, <laughs> but you got another cadence too. So. But you say, well, but it's 45 minutes up there, you know, and gas prices being what they are. What, uh, I mean, really, like we can talk ourselves any way, but what we sometimes do is create separation. Sin is separation. Whether it's our behavior that needs to be dealt with, and it does. I mean, we all probably could confess, man, some behavior this week some thoughts, some actions this week, or whether it's we've cut God out space. Here's what Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We don't have to be convinced of that, probably, right? But do we need to be reminded that in in chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. Now, sometimes in our evangelical world, what we think of the wages of sin is death. You're going to hell. That's what we think. But don't think about it that way. Think about it this way. The wages of sin, the cost of sin, is the life God is offering you. The life right now he wants to offer you, it's robbed. It's taken away. You don't get to experience that same life. The life my wife wants to offer in our marriage as we want to offer it to each other, it would be stolen away if I decided to go over and have a fling with another woman. And it's the same kind of concept. It's stolen away. That brings this this understanding, especially the way it's written in that day, of death. And that's what it does. So I ask, are you experiencing separation? Death in any way? In some ways, I think Christians today, we have gotten a bit immune and a bit okay with a lot of things that we don't clearly put in bad behavior category. But we're okay with the separation. And so we don't know God the way He desires so deeply to know us. The good news continues. Jesus came to be the way to God, to this life. Jesus came and he offers that to you. There are so many different ways to seek life. There's so many different ways. And some of them in and of themselves are not necessarily bad. You want to climb your corporate ladder? You want to get a raise? and and I mean, those are fine, right? We allow that to consume us and consume our world at the expense of of God. Guess what? 
that's not the way. It won't, it won't bring it. There's so many things we can put into that category. I'd really like to be better at golf, a lot better at golf. I could let that consume me and think if I just got to that place, you know, I'd be pretty good, right? And maybe I'd make some money at it too, you know? And there's nothing wrong with being a golf professional or, or make money at that, but obviously same thing. There's only one way. It's not going to replace Jesus. It's not going to give you something that Jesus can give you. It's just not going to give it. And so we cycle when we eventually realize that in that thing. And if we're not careful, we just pick up the next thing and we'll cycle through until we realize it and pick up the next thing. All the time, remember the good news, Jesus is available to offer that life to you. He's available today. Listen, Christians, Jesus is available today for you. It's available. You could today say, I surrender my life again to you. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. You could today confess if you need to confess. Lord, I own this. It's me. I did that. I'm doing that. Convict my heart. You could today do that. The life is available, but it's only in Jesus Christ. The second half of the verse I just read, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Jesus Christ. Life in Christ. Life. Jesus says it this way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You can find all different ways. You can try all different ways. There's only going to be one way through Jesus that he offers life. I can't imagine anyone doesn't want to live life and live it to the full. But we've categorized those as something like thrill-seeking when people go out and spend a lot of money, they, you know, we use that phrase, wow, they're really living up life. You know, we've taken that and maybe put a definition that really doesn't work. Whereas all the time, God is saying, here in Jesus, this is available for life. Question, did you know that this life is available? It's available. Did you say a prayer at camp 20 years ago and forget that this life is available to you? Did you just think, well, I'll just write it out, maybe? Christian life stinks. But if I write it out, I'll get heaven one day. It's not the message of the Bible. Certainly Jesus didn't think that. Paul didn't think it. Peter, John, they didn't write this way. They wrote that there is life and transformation in Christ. Do you know what I know about the enemy? Um, he's a deceiver. Did you know that? Like that's his main tactic. The main trait is to deceive. We give him so much more power than he actually has. His tactic is to deceive. If you look in the garden, what is what he wanted to do with Adam and Eve? He deceived them to believe something that really, if you look at it, was the exact opposite of what God was telling his creation. That's the tactic of the enemy. And it's the same today. It's no different today. There's no more power and authority that the enemy has. The deceiver still deceives. We say, uh, you know, your, your car didn't start, you know. Oh, Satan is really testing me today. Uh, got five red lights on the way. Satan's testing me. To, like, I feel like we really think that at night Satan's like, you know, lifting the hood and unplugging things, you know, and putting it back, you know, or is on the side with the controllers for the lights. <laughs> I mean, that's what we think. That's not it at all. That's not true at all. 
Satan has no power to get in your engine and do stuff like this. Don't give him that authority. Here's what he'll do, though. He'll speak to you. See, you just went to church, and your car broke down. Is this what God gives you when you go to church? I thought he was supposed to give you blessings when you went to church. Huh? That's deception. That's, that's him trying to deceive. And he'll do it all day long. You're not as good as you think. That you'll never get over that addiction, you know, because you're a bad person. New life, you know, that, that doesn't really exist. Just write out this life, you know, but life in Christ, that's not really real. There is constant deception that the enemy wants to give you. I heard it said this week, the truth is often quiet. The lies are loud. And the enemy's loud. And so... It means for us, we have to get in a spot where we hear life. Hear life. Why? Because the good news is that life is offered through Jesus Christ. Did you know that that's available to you today? Here's finally, it would be the action step, if you want to call it. Simply receive Jesus as your Savior, your Lord. Now listen, I know, even though I've said it twice now, as Christians, you just clicked off because you're like, oh, I did that. I said that prayer one time. I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And, and we're fearful that if I re-accept him as my Lord and Savior, does that mean I lost my salvation? Like, at what point did I lose my salvation? You know, in that, <coughs> excuse me. But think about it this way. Um, couples do their, they do renew their vows sometimes. Anybody renew their vows in, in here? Yeah, um. You scared me a little bit, Austin, when your hand went up there. So I thought you were raising it. I'm like, I, I didn't even know. I mean, I, so, sorry, sorry. Um, no, like, uh, renew vows. Like, I don't know what age you're supposed to do that, but I'm about to turn 50 next week, and I'm getting AARP uh, letters in the mail. <laughs> so I might need to start learning <laughs> these things and what they're about. I don't know. Um, but when, a, when a, a married couple says, I wanna, we want to renew our vows, we've been married 45 years, we want to renew our vows, did they say we're, we're going to get unmarried, you know, and then we'll renew and we'll be remarried, right? No, we never think that, because that would be silly and strange, and, and it doesn't work that way. It's the same with our, our faith in Christ. Just because today you have the opportunity to say, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my life. You have me. I want to make you Lord. You don't lose yourself. You don't even need to think about that. You're just recommitting and dedicating and surrendering yourself once again. And you know what? I sat in that theater that night, Friday, and I just said, I need you, Lord. I need you. It was my way of saying, Lord, be the Lord of my life again. I was still a Christian. I was still your pastor. Man, I needed Jesus. And I think if you were honest, many of you today would say, so do I. I need that. I need that. So would you receive that today? Here's what I want to do. I want to just pray and, and finish this off. I know we're a little over, but that's okay. I just want to pray and, and close this out. And I want to I invite you into what sometimes people call the sinner's prayer. I'm not sure it's the greatest title for that prayer. It should be like the prayer of new life or something, but... Um, but here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to pray that prayer. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 20 years or if you've never made a profession of faith and today is the day. I want to invite you to hear the words. And if it's what your heart is feeling this morning, if it's the way the Spirit is speaking to you this morning, I want to invite you, 
say that prayer right along with me. You can say it quietly in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. But I want to invite you to pray that if you would. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Lord, thank you that life is available to us. Lord, thank you that you love us so dearly. Thank you that you have paved a way to overcome our separation and our sin. Thank you that in Christ there is one way, Lord, one way, and it's available to us this morning. So if that's you and you want to pray this along with me, it sounds something like this. Lord, I recognize your way is better than mine. Lord, forgive me of my rebellion, my sin, and the separation I've created. Jesus, come into my life and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, I surrender myself to live for you. You know, the Bible tells us that in an instant, you're a child of God, or, or you're still a child of God. You're, that is the title you get. That's the title you are. When you surrender yourself over to the Lord and let him be the Lord and leader, the guide and the director of your life. Father, I, I sense that there's probably more business to be done here. Lord, there's probably more that there's some people that need to cry out to you. Father, this is a great space to do it. I just want to allow you, if you, if you need to just pray. Go for it. You don't, you don't even have to listen to anything else I say. Just, just go off on your own and pray, um, whether in your spot or if you need to move, please. Do some business with God. But Father, we'll ask that you empower us. We want to go out of here not the same. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. I know the last couple of weeks I, I've invited you to share and... I, and, and um, Maybe it's caught on because both services now we've had people spontaneously stand up in the middle of what I'm doing to testify. Like, hey, that's pretty awesome. So um, I wonder if, if you if you just have a, a word, a quick word that you just feel like the Lord had put on your heart, um, something you want to share, a confession to make, uh, just a word the Lord shared. Oh. Oh. Oh.
<laughs> okay. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. I remember that testimony from discipleship class. Thanks for sharing that with the whole church. It's awesome. Anybody else want to just share a word from the Lord? So, Brian, yes. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Excellent. Anybody else? Ah.
Amen. 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 Thanks, Todd. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, will you lead us in prayer? Thank you. Thank you. What was it? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Well, let me let me uh, share a couple things that are going on. Um, uh, we have our, our prayer text that goes out tomorrow. And, and listen, it, this is one of the things, like, I, I, I wouldn't even know how to program this. I just have had multiple people come and say, can I be a part of that prayer team that's praying for people? Um, so just know that group is swelling. Um, if you send in a prayer request, there are more people now that have this desire to make praying be. And I, I do kind of a little vetting conversation just to make sure it's not somebody who just wants to be in on the gossip. So, and, um, and you, you know, there's people that want to pray for you. So if you'll use that prayer text tomorrow, if you're new with us this morning, one, we're so glad you're here. Um, if you would take the time to fill out one of the communication cards and give that to me or drop it in one of the boxes, we'd love to just tell you more about what God's doing here. But you also can sign up for the prayer text on that. So if you want to be prayed for, uh, that would be a great way. It's one of those communication cards that are all over or in the chairs. Um, that's how you can talk to us. Um, 
Celebrate recoveries tomorrow night, and I think it's especially important when we talk about strongholds that, like, listen, young me in ministry thought stronghold, that's like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and that's kind of fills the camp of it, and, um, but a 12-year adult ministry guy understands how small strongholds can look, but how huge of a grasp they have on our life, and so Celebrate Recovery is all about that on Monday night, so I just encourage you, come Come get some help.